All right, guys. This is Unpopular Takes, episode 10. It is episode 10. Episode 10. We have uh, a special guest today, Dustin Ramsey. How's everyone doing? Doing pretty good, and you? Pretty good. Yeah. Good. Good. It's been a quite a long time since we've been on the podcast in general, like a couple months, probably like three, two months. Well, sure. we're back. Season two on Popular Takes. We're coming at you. Um, as you noticed, we do have a YouTube channel. If you're listening to this on like Spotify, you can go find Unpopular Takes on YouTube and watch the video version of this and just like how we interact on it. That'll be for like 30, 40 minutes and then that'll cut off in like the last 10 to 15 minutes. You can only get on the audio version, which is on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple. Just make sure you pay attention to that. We're going deluxe. Yes. We're going, yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to grow this thing a little bit. So, uh, give us some basic knowledge about yourself, Dustin. All right, my name is Dustin Ramsey, uh, 19 years old, so I feel like my story would be able to reach a lot of individuals that are, you know, currently in high school, kind of just, you know, about to graduate and trying to figure out what they would want to do with themselves. Um, I hope that I can play as a, a good example as to what it means to be an entrepreneur. So a little bit about myself. So in 2018, early 2018, I started a private equity firm called Ramsey Equity Partners, and essentially it is a holding company as for right now that specializes in the music industry. We're also getting into commercial real estate, and then we have a product-based business that we're starting that's developing around developing young kings and queens, and that is the crown industries. Um, so our goal for Ramsey Equity Partners is to raise $30 million in the next four years now. Uh, initially, it was five years. And we're raising that from you know some of the top investors, so people that already have capital. And this will be something that, as far as the private equity industry, you know, nobody has ever really seen. Uh, essentially, you know, I don't know anybody personally that's in private equity under under the age of 30. So that within itself will be, you know, a huge challenge for us. So, but how can we, you know, create a different spinoff and also teach, you know, not only the people that are already, you know, accredited investors, but also people that want to start getting into, you know, growing their portfolios, starting thinking about alternative investments and not just, you know, basically outside the public stock market. So we're, we'll be a, a great, you know, outlet for that in the future. All right. So like with that being said, like I'm relatively new to like the business world and trying to like really like grow myself and grow like whatever I need to do, like into some a good chunk of change, just be successful in like life. It's like with this private like equity thing, what would you like in dumb down terms, like for the viewers also and for myself? Right. Like if you could give it into the like very basic terms, what would you consider like it being? So essentially I feel like private equity in itself is just a fancy word for you know leverage. I would break it down as much as, you know, if you know how to buy a house or the process of buying a house, you say there's a house for $100,000, you know, which is a relatively cheap house. Uh, but instead of putting a whole $100,000 down, you can leverage most of it by only putting down maybe 10 to 20%. So that's maybe 10, 20 grand that you would have to come up with as a down payment on your house. And you're able to go to the bank or go to a private lender and receive that other, you know, 80 to 90 grand. Um and essentially, if you want to get down even further, uh, once you know how to buy a house, if you're in the business of flipping, which that's something that we'll be getting into as well on a very simplistic sale, is buying undervalued homes, going in, renovating them, fixing them up, and ultimately selling them for a profit. So in the business perspective, that's just a step higher of seeing what companies we could find that are necessarily undervalued businesses we could start and uh, potential growing industries, uh, seeing what we could do to go in and essentially uh, help with, you know, 
you know, sales. We can help with bringing in different managers, uh, seeing what we can do overall, not being, you know, a boss of anyone, but definitely coming in and using our expertise to, to help, you know, the overall business grow. This is this is something we we find passion, you know, passion, great passion in uh, day in and day out, you know, when it comes to this. So, you know, so buying buying and selling businesses that's that's basically basically that's yeah basically improving it, it and maybe giving it yeah. back when you have like a return on or something of, of that matter right that's really like super like do you like was there like a point in time where you were like thinking like you know what like i want to do that or was there a different plan and this happened across your path and like all right this is it right my initial plan and i'll be going to come in the fall but you know, my initial plan was to, I learned about this, and if you want to take the traditional route, you can go off to school for four years and, uh, you know, go find, go work at an a investment bank. You know, you've got Goldman Sachs, you got Morgan Stanley, you know, some of the top firms, uh, investment banks, and they'll give you $80,000 a year as an investment banker off that, you know, basically a financial analyst. Uh, a lot of times, you know, my next step would be to get a master's degree and then, you know, maybe become partner by the time I'm 30, you know, if I'm lucky. Uh, to make two hundred and fifty a year. To make two about two hundred fifty grand a year plus your profits, but I find I found that that wasn't the route that I wanted to take at all, and that's going more towards the entrepreneurship route. And you know, I'm not going to be able to make the impact that I want to make by joining a large company and a large firm, even with my own expertise, you know, and the ability to climb the ranks and everything. What can we do now to to really get this going? And you know, more than anything, it was just the control factor. You know, being able to know that we're liable for our faults and our successes. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that more than anything. Plus, I just didn't want a boss. You know, so <laughs> be your own boss. Be your own boss. Your time, you know, as, yeah. as, as cliche as it sounds, you know, but there's there's beauty in entrepreneurship. There's beauty in being able to make your own schedule. But there's also you know a lot of discipline that has to be involved in order for something like this to to come about. Right. You hear that? Be your own boss. <laughs> so I guess uh, Ramsey Equity Partners is an official LLC. So tell your parents, tell bosses, investors, friends, family, whoever, um, that we're going to do this 100%. Like this is going to be a big company. Um, so I guess I came in, what, maybe a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met Dustin through a friend, and thank you, Tyler, for the <laughs> shout out. Um, so I met him. He worked at Halls with uh, Tyler, and I, the first time I met him, it was almost like, all right, this kid's got the same mindset I have. Like, y'all know I'm really into stock market stuff, really into building businesses up. Um, so I met him, and it was almost like, wow, like this is crazy. Somebody else is doing exactly what I'm doing, and. I had had that same mindset of like going to school, becoming an investment banker and then opening up my own uh, investment banking firm. And I met him and found out about private equity. And I was like, like, this is crazy. This is what I wanted to do on a broad scale, just going into different businesses. Cause I kind of thought of the mindset. I was like, all right, I like finance. I like managing people's money, but that's not the only thing I want to do. Like I want to own other companies as well. And so when I found out about, this company, I was like, this is, this is me. Like I'm going to put my heart and soul into this because it's something I believe in. It's something to, to put me into a financial freedom place in the future. Not so near. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm putting the work in and, and we're both putting in the work doing what we need to do, this is going to be a really successful uh, private equity firm. And 
hopefully we can become the next Blackstone or Carlisle or even better. Yeah. Let me and, tell you something though. I mean, for a long time and you know, this is something that, you know, once you're when you start a company, any type of business and you know, you start it up from scratch. And, you know, I had just about a year in and I've gone through so many people that have claimed they wanted to you know they, they everybody hears this and they think it's such a great idea. But, you know, my philosophy was I wanted to bring in individuals that weren't necessarily, you know, had the financial experience, had the formal educational experience, you know, to be able to pull this off and to do something like this. is This is something that a lot of people haven't heard of. You know, how can I offer this to them and put them in leadership positions and nurture them and help them grow into, into you know, so we could all become, you know, a, a huge financial giant that's definitely disrupting an industry. But the problem that I faced is, you know, younger people's work ethic. And I can talk about this because I'm somebody that I'm the same age as a lot of these people that come that I bring in. However, they're not showing, you know, and everybody has stuff that they go through. Everybody, yeah. you know. Everybody goes through things. However, how much of your time are you putting towards what you're trying to accomplish and how much time are you just going through the motions? Yeah. You know, that's something you really have to think about. And that's something that I really thought about, you know, while I was in high school and just sitting at a desk all year and like just reading out of a book and, you know, you're not getting out and doing it, especially if you're if you're trying to study business. You know, you're not going to necessarily learn about that in a, in a classroom. And, and most of the information that I found I found, you know, through the internet, which is, I feel like at this point, the biggest tool. So why aren't people utilizing it? I'm not sure. But <laughs> this is, you know, this goes down to your work ethic. That's the only thing that, that can, that you can really separate yourself from everyone else is how do you utilize that knowledge and how can you execute on the things that you learn when it comes to building something? So, so why is it so hard for people to start doing this at a young age? It's just a mind thing. It's honestly a mental slavery thing, you know, when it comes to that. And just we're, we're, we as from a young age are domesticated and groomed to think a certain way. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're a Christian, you're probably a Christian because your parents were a Christian. You went yeah. to church every Sunday. I included. I went to church every Sunday, you know. So when it, it, I believe it starts like that. And then when, you're, when you go to school and you learn about, you know, different things and they start grooming you to, to just be grades driven and not necessarily, resu- you know, overall results driven and even figuring out what you think you would be good at. You mm-hmm. know, I feel that, you know, for the most part, people won't get into it because they think, you know, a lot of times their parents might ridicule them for them or their parents might have something already set out for them. But what I have to say to that is I, you know, from my experience, a lot of my, even my parents, nobody in my family really even believes in what I'm doing, even though this is something that holds my family's last name, you know, but, Hey, here's a here's a challenge for for future generations and people that are you know watching this and thinking about what they're going to do with their life. And it doesn't really matter what industry you're going to learn how you can become the first CEO in your family. You know, that's something that a lot of a lot of families don't own businesses. How can you become the first CEO with your last name? You know, what what can you do to go about that? And and it's never too early to start. It's honestly and anybody that says that that it is 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 full crap. <laughs> honestly is you know don't believe it because there's a million people you know there's a lot of people that come that come to me and I tell them about my ideas and when I go and meet with potential investors and you know they'll say you know they'll say oh you don't have the experience so you, you know you're too young you, you should go to even people that I've tried to bring in as consultants financial consultants for my company they say well have you done any deals before no I have not not quite yet but I've studied a lot of them. 
well, you should, you know, go to college. You might need to get an internship and, you know, maybe explore your app. Yeah. I feel like the we've talked about this a lot, like, actually on the podcast. It's, like, the way that, like, America thinks or, like, a lot of, like, society in the world thinks is you put yourself in this one-dimensional type box thing. Mm-hmm. And you start in the box when you're born. And you kind of just, like, you stay within the box the whole time. You're just working your way through it. Like, it's, like, kind of a maze. But everyone ends up going the same path. Yeah, so everyone like everyone goes right, but at that one point, like when you go, like I've said this before, like go left, go away from everybody, and leave a trail, like leave a trail or follow in the trail of someone else that has also went left. Like when you do that, you create something like an entrepreneurship. You literally create your own way, becoming your own boss, becoming your own CEO, and that breeds success. Like what you put in in life will come back to you. Not might not be immediately, but it will come back eventually. Mm-hmm. So I definitely like agree with the whole mindset of it's a mindset of being too young, which is just not true. Like it doesn't matter if you're 17, doesn't matter if you're 21, doesn't matter if you're 50, how old you are. It matters about where your mindset at, if you're willing to go get it, what are you willing to wake up every day and this be your passion? And like, so that's why I totally agree with you. And like, it's a great message for you to just go out there and be the first CEO of your family. Like, that's a great like motivation to do. So I respect you for that. And then moving on with that is like the importance of like a tire. I mean, Y'all looking pretty drippy today, and I don't – I mean, just got back from workout, so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what would you say, like, the importance of attire is, like, especially, like, in the workplace, like, both of you, honestly, because you guys are both with it. That, that comes with, like, investing in yourself. Like, when you look good, you feel good. <laughs> and when you feel good, other people are going to know you're feeling good. And that's the whole thing. Like, if I'm showing up to school or a meeting or a lunch or whatever in a suit, I got to play the part because I look good. Like, I can't just look good and be stupid about something. I got to I gotta know what I'm talking about if I'm going to look like this and play the part. So it comes with investing in entire, it's def, attire. It's definitely important um, to look good. But more so, that's just a small investment in yourself. Like, you got to go to the library, read books, go online, watch videos, look up articles, learn from the great people out there, the Warren Buffets, the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musks uh the robert smiths there's people out there for free online that can teach you everything you want to know about what you want to do and it's amazing because we're we're so closed-minded and we think oh we go to school to learn i don't need to learn outside of school but that's really not the case because if you're always learning you're growing yourself you're going to become a better person you're going to be more successful Mm -hmm. and that comes with dressing nice learning being smart um knowing when the right time to be serious is i go to school and i joke around like shit because like i I, that's not that's not my place like school is not my type of thing i go there and yeah i'm gonna learn a little bit i'm gonna learn maybe some basics that i can apply as a cfo but like it's not really teaching me anything about this the websites and the books that i'm reading and and the uh YouTube videos that I'm watching from people that have taken this path before me are really what's teaching me. And that's, that's investing in yourself. Warren Buffett said the greatest investment he ever made was going to Dale Carnegie's uh, school of influence or whatever the name of the school was. But he said that paying that money to go get that book and to be in that class, in that seminar was the best investment he ever made because he learned how to treat people. If you don't know how to treat people, you're not going to be successful. So that all comes with investing in yourself and just broadening your horizons and uh, increasing your brain ability, because if you're stupid, you're not going anywhere. And that's just a fact. Like, that's me. If you're stupid, you're not going anywhere. But you don't have to be stupid. Take the time. Open a book. Skip a party. Open a book. 
watch it if you're watching a movie try to pick something that that kind of has to do with what you like um and what you can learn from that movie like the wolf of wall man. street documentaries were I miss the, documentaries the, the wolf of wall street kind of taught me a lot just about the stock market in general i learned what an ipo was i had never heard of an ipo before um that's an initial public offering that's when a company first goes public but i mean it's stuff like that like even movies that are really entertaining you can go in and watch a movie and learn something from it take notes on yeah. the movie like learn what you're doing so and you know going back to to just branding yourself and and the importance of your attire you don't necessarily just have to wear a suit you know, yeah. that's just every, me. You know, that, that, those, are first, <laughs> those are first guys that are in the finance industry. You know, we have to go in front of a board. We have to go in front of, you know, bankers, lawyers, you know, other clients. And we're younger. So, you know, we have to show that we're we're professional, you know, overall. But what, for whatever it is that you do, whatever, you know, uniform that is that you would need on a day to day basis, you know, just take that into consideration. But, you know, honestly, it goes even further ju- than just, you know, your clothing as much as it is just overall, you know, how you carry yourself. You know, if you don't believe that you're good at sales, or if you don't believe that you're a salesman, I mean, you're completely wrong. You're selling yourself on, on to individuals every day, Yeah. you know, as to who you are. And those first impressions do matter, you know? So they're, they're more like, people are more likely to take you serious, you know, in our instance, uh, when we are, you know, more professional yeah. as far as our attire. Right. So that sure. is crucial. So, um, like speaking about that, I, like what I got with you, like talking about what you got about like presenting yourself and uh, what you can learn like outside of like a setting, like for school example, like I'm not crapping on the school system, some of the school system that actually does very, very well. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't like school. Uh, all right. Well, we all don't like school, but like there are some things that are, there's pluses and minuses to everything in life. And yeah, a plus it's good for something, connections. Well, that, exactly. Mentors. Like yeah, to be able to, um, Put yourself in like a scenario where, like I said, we all three like didn't really get along that well, but we got assigned a project together to like come together and work with other people you don't understand. Like that's a good aspect of school, I think. Like I think it's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. But then there's also different things of not being able to open up to different things, like being in a standard. Just like I feel like it's almost not like a, it's really not the teacher. Sometimes it is, but like the people that do assign the standards, at least like where we are, is people that don't go into the classrooms, tell other people to go in the classrooms to evaluate a classroom on a certain day when the teacher knows about these certain standards that they've already been giving them that are probably way out of date that right. don't really relate to it. We need to learn more about like right. current or like current orders, but like we have to find that first step of success. Cause like, if we're going to have a problem. You have to have a solution for it. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's kind of where like I'm at. Like I'd love to like take a step forward for everyone to have a better mm-hmm. education, like wherever they're at. Amen. I mean, in my opinion, when it comes to, to the school system, I feel that, you know, teachers at the end of the day are still employees. And when I look back at my school career, you know, there's only a handful of teachers that really just care what they, you know, mm-hmm. about what they yeah. were doing. And, I, and those were the ones that were on me the hardest. But those are the ones that stood out the most because everybody else was just kind of, you know, they're working for a paycheck. Yeah. They're not going to, they themselves are not even going to question, question what they're, you know, what the curriculum is. They're just trying to teach it, you know, and make sure that their children do understand it, but not necessarily open up to the questions of why is this even so? You know, I feel like that's the biggest thing that that there's a lack of just in, in society at all. You know, why do we, we need to question, you know, what we know and a lot of reverse engineering. And, you know, that's that's something that back when I wanted to get into space and, you know, space exploration and wanted to be an astronomer. I started studying space and stuff, and then now I'm realizing a lot of stuff that I learned was false. 
because I got it from one source. Most of the time it was NASA. <laughs> you know, and NASA is a corporation just like just like any yes. other. So they're gonna do what they need to do to Earth profit. is flat. Earth so. is flat. Earth is not flat. Both of them are stupid. <clears throat> I was gonna <laughs> say another word, but it's okay. It's right. Y'all are stupid. One the day Earth you'll is be not enlightened. flat. We'll enlighten Parker one day. You can go comment. I'm not saying it's round. I'm saying go comment. It's not flat. if you're a flat earther not or not. Flat. And give me a reason why, because Parker needs to understand it is not flat. All right, Th- all right. Think about it. The like only this. thing I have to say is study an article. As a, as a, as a, you know, it's an ice wall. It's an ice wall. wall. Just, look, <laughs> ice wall. just look, listen, I'm a, I'm a destroy y'all's theory right now. Yeah, go for it. When you're thinking about it, if the earth is flat, is it going, all right. So when you, when y'all talk about the flat earth, we're standing right now. Yes. So you're saying there's nothing underneath us. It's just flat. We don't know that. We don't know. We don't know exactly, man. But I just know. I don't believe it's flat because obviously it's not flat because we have mountains and hills. But it's not round. It's not round. It's not a sphere. Come on now. You're saying if you looked from a distance, like the Earth would almost look like a piece of paper. I also don't believe that it would be tangible for the sun to be ninety-three million miles away. I know I'm going to get a lot of scrutiny off of that, but that's just that's just to open something up. Think about it. Just, just look, into it. Just look into it yourself, man. I mean, my my whole case as far as that is just look into Antarctica for yourself. I'm not even gonna you know, <laughs> bring my uh, get into it. You know, get into it. You know, <laughs> just look up the facts because before you hold an opinion, you know, before you hold something or as your belief, I feel like you should check out both sides of it. You know, I feel like that's the outlining. You know. Yeah, you haven't even explored our side, Parker. You all right, we you, believed your side for forever. All right, I have explored your side. You know what the biggest support for your side is? Hmm. If the earth was round and you think about it, we're like in a ball. We're like literally standing on a ball. So gravity's pulling you down. If let's say for an example, the earth is like spinning that way and you have like South America or something. And those people are technically standing on the ground, but it's upside down. You're telling me gravity's not pulling it off. I mean, so that's that's the biggest support I have for y'all. But at the same this, time, I just don't believe. If it, I dropped like, this bottle on like a flat surface, or like if I went, if I like dropped a ball, that's what I'm saying. Exactly, it's like, gonna fall off the earth one day. That's what you're no, but me. no, but you're telling me that if I like drop this ball on like a flat surface, it's just gonna start rolling. Like if I just roll it, it should just roll forever if I give it enough strength. It wouldn't start. It would, come on now. Now I'm not. Does water really stick to a ball? Exactly. But the earth is not even wet. Look, like, how does even add up? Look, look, I didn't say the earth was spherical. I said that it's just not flat. All right. You know, we're moving on. All right. <laughs> we're going it back on to a, a serious topic. Why he's here. Um, <laughs> what so is it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. I'm going to say it. What does it mean to be a CEO? Oh, he got me. Yeah. Fact check. Fact check. <laughs> what it means to be a CEO? And I mean, honestly, it's just a big, you know, fancy term. And the more. The more knowledge I, I get on, you know, day-to-day basis on, on being a CEO, the more I realize that that doesn't really mean anything. The title doesn't really mean anything. You know, when you think about a, a company that has a CEO, everybody reports to him and stuff. But, you know, and every, it, so you feel like he has all power. He has that person has the power to make you know important decisions when it comes to benefiting a company that's going to affect the company. However, I spend most of my time trying to service everyone else. You know, and that's that's literally what a CEO is. You're you're somebody in all aspects of that business. You need to be going in and make sure that everybody's okay. You need to be also that person that's on the outside while everybody else is looking in, making sure that you know, trying to perfect everything, trying to you know, perfect your your systems, perfect your your you know, your strategies. You know, moving forward, 
you have to separate yourself from that. Look at the company, you know, on the outside and also look ahead. Mm-hmm. Being able to look ahead, you know, almost 50 years. Those are, you know, the CEOs, the way I heard it, and this was the other day, was, you know, we're living in the world that, you know, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, Elon Musk built. You know, this is this is the world yeah. that they thought of, you know. So when you think about that, they're living they're living in the future now. You know, that's how they this is how we run. This is how we operate. This is how we think. You know, you have to have that visionary mindset as as to, you know, what can we do to relentlessly, you know, push our vision forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's really more of an emotional thing, you know, more than anything, you know, just making sure make sure that once again, everybody's OK. Make sure everything is running smoothly. Um but it goes way more more outside of of just overall business structure, in my opinion. At least for me, I can't speak for everyone and what it means to be a CEO because there's different types of CEOs. There's you know there's types of you know when you think about the the largest companies, you know we don't necessarily know what they do on a day to day basis. You'll see them in the public eye, but you know how are they actually driving things forward and, and everything? So it's not to say that there's just one way to be be that. Just mm-hmm. the overall structure to it. You want to make sure that you're just overall leading and nurture, nurturing your, you know, the people around you and those people around you, you know, they, they should look up to you. They should want to follow you, mm-hmm. you know, and if they don't want to fight, if you're, if they're following by force, then I don't think you're a good CEO. I don't <laughs> think you've done a good job at um, communicating your vision to, to your partners and your executives so that they could, you know, operate and literally turn your thoughts yeah, tangible results and tangible services and tangible, you know, products. So I I remember like what you were just saying about uh how all these people have this future like you do too like everyone has like this future like oh I want like this is gonna happen in thirty years like I see it it's gonna happen uh I was listening actually to someone talk about it. his name is Charlie Rocket used to be in the music industry you might know him he uh, was the manager of two chains couple people um and. He was extremely fat, very, very obese. And he had this dream. He's like, you know what? Wrote it down in his book. I think everyone should write their goals on a like a panel, yeah, something, a journal. Down. Write them down. Make sure that they are right there for you to see. And he did that. And he's like, I'm being a Nike athlete. This dude's like 400 pounds, 350 pounds. Like that's just <laughs> does not sound legitimate in any way. Right. Within the year and a half, three years, something crazy like that, became a Nike athlete, became sponsored by Nike. My point being – he gave this analogy saying we right now, like I'm already like you already this big CEO, all these companies, everything worked out. Time just hasn't caught up yet. And that's how like all of us really need to think like, you know what? Like I'm just taking the steps right now. Time hasn't caught up, like has not caught up yet to me. Like I'm on my own time type thing. I think that mindset, it's a killer type mindset because that's top of the food chain. And that's what we're all trying to like achieve and be successful. So I definitely like really do agree with that and like how you like go with that. I think that's really dope. So keep definitely like keep that up. That's really good. And then, I mean something else to think about when it comes to that. Like, and I'll take an example from a book, one of my favorite books, uh, about a guy named Reginald Lewis. And you know, back in the eighties, he was one of the first African American men to pull off a billion dollar buyout. Oh wow! So he's somebody that I studied, you know, in and out. And you know, it's funny because in the beginning, and when you're in that starting phase and you're not making any money, and just because you don't see those you know, results on paper or anything mm-hmm. don't mean, doesn't mean it's not there. It's something called sweat equity. And if you don't know what sweat, sweat equity means, you probably wouldn't if you were working a job somewhere and you're getting paid, you know, by the hour, you're getting yeah. paid for, you know, this is when, you know, it's almost the same thing, but you're putting in time, you're, you know, hours upon hours, 80, 90 hours a week. 
And that is your sweat equity. So going back to the book, I, I thought it was funny. And basically going back to also speaking things into existence. You know, he would he was stringing along deals and he would go home to his wife and, you know, he'd just be sitting or he'll be thinking and he'll say, you know, honey, I just made $13 million. And she was like, well, how did you do that? You know, congratulations, but how did you do it? You know, and she's already thinking that it's like cash. Yeah. You know, it could be an idea. It could be, you know, a new service that's going to make you or save you, you know, $13 million. So, you know, that's something to always think about. And, you know, when it comes to thinking ahead, you know, that sweat equity. And I feel like at this point I have, I feel like we made at least $10, $20 million just on the, you know, systems that we put in place and structuring our businesses up to where when we do start getting capital commits, you know, everything's just going to fall into place. That is awesome. That is super sweat equity word of the day for sure. Um, We're wrapping up the video portion of this podcast. Obviously, we're going to continue on with this interview, do short, a little more Q&A, get to learn a little bit more, have a little bit more of a relaxed session after this, just talk a little bit more, get to know him better. Um, where can they find you on social, man? Shout out anything that you need. Shout out the company one more last time, whatever you want to do, go for it. Uh, so as for right now, the our only uh, point of social media is our Instagram at Ramsey Equity Partners. I don't have a personal Instagram. I don't have Snapchat. I'm not a big fan of social media, but That's what you do. we do have a we do have a company Instagram. So it's at Ramsey Equity Partners. Yeah. All right. You heard him. Go follow him. I'm glad that you joined us. Go subscribe. Hit the like button. Comment what you want to see next. Any ideas? Got anything to say? Check us out. Uh, podcast will continue on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple. Yeah, Google Podcast. A bunch of places. Honestly, well. look us up. Yeah. We're going to be there. Go follow our Instagram. Uh, Twitter's kind of getting up right now. But, uh, yeah, so follow us for the last 15, 20 minutes, whatever we end up feeling, you know? All right, we'll see you. All right, now it's gone. That was good. So. All right, guys, we're back, and we are now on the Q&A slash relax last 15 minutes that you can only get on the audio version. So, um, Deluxe. Yeah, deluxe package, we'll say. Um, we're going to switch it up, and we're going to talk about some NBA free agency. Because we love some sports. Oh, we do days. love some sports. So, I my think, biggest thing. I think we have to talk about the biggest thing in the NBA that just is happened. Paul George and Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard at the Clippers. Mm, so, yes. I think their starting lineup is something along the lines of like Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, uh, Kawhi, Paul George, and, yeah. and Yvonne, Yvonne yeah, Zubik yeah, or whatever. Um, Zubak is actually like a solid starting center. The thing that's like funny about that, the Clippers. I don't know how much money they have, but they could definitely ship a bench player signed to White Howard, which is a, a great rebounder. People don't like if you recently and he's a, got and an he's NBA, a good defender. Yes, too. like if people might not realize what like Dwight Howard used to be in Orlando. Like he very was up. Like he won DYOP. Like he was up for MVP a couple times. Yeah, like he de- he definitely was. Like I feel like if he can return to his former self, like if he definitely yeah. like it sounds like a good fit. It works. And he's, a ring. I mean, he's been playing good Maybe. the last couple of years. Like he, he yeah. hasn't been playing. Double, bad. He's a double double type player. Yeah. That's, still, that's still a pretty crowded list, though. There, that is, which I think, which is funny. I like. I saw his Instagram post. Kawhi literally is like he just changed the NBA like front point. Like he literally just changed the whole landscape of the NBA. There's not a big right. three starting off at the season. There might become a big three. Like a rookie might show up and show out. A sophomore player might show out, but like. With that being said, 
there are no technical big threes that I see that are besides Boogie Cousins with Boogie Cousins just signed a really crappy contract. He signed for less than twenty million dollars. I think him and Rondo both did that. Well, Rondo did that because Rondo Rondo's gonna be coming off the bench. LeBron just got announced at point guard yeah, two days ago. So I mean. The Lakers look good. Yes, the Lakers, the Lakers look good. Very nice. They had KCP. They gave. They got uh, McGee. They gave a lot up for Anthony Davis, but I think it's. I think it was more. This is the next. The next two, three years of the NBA is really when we're going to see kind of the end of LeBron. Yes, um, because he's he's up. he's almost what like thirty five something I like think that. He's thirty five going on thirty four, thirty five. So it's. This is about the age that Mike started kind of slowing down. And, yeah, I'm going to compare him a little bit, even though I don't think LeBron is in my top three. I'm going to compare him a little bit. What? Well, we've already gone over this. Right. but So, you got LeBron's last couple years, and I feel like that's really what L.A. was trying to accomplish is just win him another chip yeah. and kind of bring some pride back to the Lakers. Um, because they haven't won in a Went while. Went to the playoffs since 2013. Yeah, and, and that's and, a very long time. <laughs> and considering they're the second most successful NBA franchise behind the Boston Celtics, who've got one more chip than them, um, that that is kind of nice to see that the Lakers are kind of back in play. Because that's just like everybody loves the Lakers, whether you hate them or you yeah. love them. Like you, you definitely got to, you definitely got to give them. the Lakers respect. Yeah, but. I feel that since once again we're talking about a crowded West, do we think this is the end of a Golden State dynasty? Oh yeah, no way. Yes. Stephen yes. Curry with D'Angelo Russell, which they're more than likely they said they're going to end up trading. He'll yeah. play a couple games, maybe to the trade. Nah, I line. think they'll trade him before the season starts. I feel like they're going to keep him, see how it works, because you, you got to remember Steph's just going to be on his own, and then maybe like try to squeeze. Clay Thompson's not going to come back at least till March at 100%. Oh, I forgot he was hurt. To He'll be come back in February, but probably not be at 100%. So he comes back. They're he's going to be shaky. Team, but they're not going to make it all the way. My point being, they have a legitimate shot to make the Western Conference Finals, especially if the Lakers and Clippers end up meeting each other, which probably won't happen. It's probably going to go Lakers, Clippers, one and two. One of the, like That's kind of a coin flip because I see how efficient – like. Patrick Beverly averaged 0.8 steals a game, which is like, that sounds, oh, that's really crappy, but that's really, really good. Paul but it's Jordan's not even about his statistics. Like, he's he's just a lockdown defender. Pat Bev? Patrick, yes, that's my point. He holds people very low points. He, like, Lonzo Ball is not ah, but he literally destroyed him on his rookie debut when he came out. You have Kawhi Leonard. His name is The Claw. Like, he's a freak. But then you, I mean, yeah, they have all these statistics, but then you got to remember <laughs> LeBron just got the – one of the most athletic players in the NBA right now. There are two top five players in the NBA right now together, and that is LeBron and AD. And then you add on Boogie Cousins, which is if he genuinely he should come back as his old self, especially if he's playing with Anthony Davis, which he loves. Like he just ended up getting a yeah, good Boogie's deal. He's still definitely like a top yeah. twelve player. That's what makes me no like doubt. really concerned. That makes me like sad is because in football, like honestly in all sports, everyone just ends up getting hurt and they like fall off, but especially in the NBA. It's very rare to have a superstar have a major injury and come back to their full potential mm. because Derek that's what Rose. yeah Derrick Rose exactly. literally like Clay Thompson just did what Derrick Rose did different play style so it's a little bit different yeah he's the thing about Derrick Rose the reason he couldn't come back to his full self the way the way the aggression aggression that he played with like there was nobody else in the NBA at that point like him mm-hmm. and Clay Thompson's like he's gonna take like five dribbles a game he and scored. he's gonna put up yeah. twenty five shots. He's a shooter, and so it'll be a lot easier for him to come back into that 
off of an ACL tear than it was for Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose had to completely change his style. Like, he had to develop a three-point shot. He still is not there yet, but he's a solid player. Like he's, he's a side with the Pistons. Yeah, that would be nice with Derrick Rose and Andre Drummond. And, and Reggie Jackson. Like, that. that's – I think Reggie Jackson still plays there. Reggie Jackson. Does, See, they move like, around so much, I can't even keep huh? up with like, him. Yeah, Blake. Yeah. I remember – I mean, they got a they got a nice little team to compete. In I'm an OKC fan. I don't know how to feel about life anymore. We have all these picks, but my boy Russ is coming to Chicago. No, that's not happening. Chicago, that's not happening. You're gonna trade Colby White? No, but we're gonna trade Zach Levine for Russ. No, the only trade that I genuinely see they would OK- take Zach Levine. No, they're. You don't realize what Russell Westbrook is into the NBA. Oh, I the know. The Joker has averaged three triple doubles, but nobody triple for the past three seasons. That's eighty-one games. He's averaged a But the type double. of player he is, it's not like they're going to be giving up a superstar for him. It's going to be – no, no, no. Just hear me out. Hear me out. What? Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's going to be a type of trade where it's like Zach Levine, um, maybe – Otto Porter. Otto Porter and a second-round pick or something. You are – no. That would never happen. That I, is that is literally – that sounds stupid. Who else is, who else <laughs> you is, sound stupid. Who else is going to give him a, a pick? I mean, who else is going to literally? Get I, I genuinely see this. As I know he's not going the to Chicago, Knicks but need somebody. But the who Knicks are the Knicks going to give up? Trade picks. Russell Westbrook deserves. If you're not going to give him any players, he's at least worth. You're going to pull an Anthony Davis and give him like 27 first round picks. No, we need at least, for in my opinion, a good trade would be Colby White, Otto Porter Jr. Put it this and way: two first round. The picks. Thunder are irrelevant, and Kobe White is not going anywhere because he's going to be the MVP of the NBA one day. You heard it here first on Unpopular Takes. Kobe White is going to be an MVP one day. Thank you. I apologize for uh, Parker's bad sports opinions today. Not bad. All right. Kobe White's good. All right. on. I watched him the other night, and him, uh, even our second round pick. In the was, summer league. Our second round summer pick. Summer league doesn't mean anything. Our second round oh pick had gosh. 21 points, 9 for 10 shooting, 10 boards, and 4 I'm not blocks. talking to you. A second round The Bulls pick. are not making it in the playoffs. doesn't matter. Oh, they are making the playoffs. Uh, okay. We got – we got, he won't make it out of the first round. We got it. Who cares? All right. Okay. Well, we haven't well, made the playoffs in like three years, so I definitely need a playoff appearance. We got a point guard. We're moving we to the end of the podcast. Hold on. No. No. We're not oh, arguing. my God. So, Kobe White's going to give me 16 to 17 points a game rookie year. Zach Levine's going to give me 23. Otto Porter's going to give me 15 to 18. Lori Markinen is going to give me 20. And Wendell Carter's going to give me a solid 12. I do. Yeah, All right. that's a solid ass lineup. All right. So you're done. I'm done. All right. The Bulls are making the playoffs. All right. You gonna ask him a normal question? Yes. Would you rather be invisible or be able to fly? That's always everyone always. There's only been one answer throughout the whole thing that everyone's chosen. Like always invisible. Everybody. No, uh, no, no. As in they've all like no. So I think we've always put parameters around like what you want to. So it's all up to you. You get to choose what like like what you can do with it, but everyone has chose the same thing every time. No one has chose the other option. Mm. See mm. if you're a little bit different. I'd rather be invisible. Honestly. We're like eight for eight on invisible, something crazy like that. Everyone, I mean, I see invisibility. Like, there's no like. I'm just switch up the question. I'm going to change it. No, nah, I like that because it, 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 I mean, it, it gets blind. I just so like, why would you rather be invisible? I'd rather yeah. be invisible, honestly, because. I don't want to be in, in a bunch of important meetings and like know what's going on. That, oh, or just so understanding cool. what people will say about you when you're not in the room, or when they Ooh, think you're not in the room. That's a dangerous. So, I see, like I would, see, I would, I would, I, I like that thought, that thought process. 
But I just don't give a shit what people say about me. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean I no, I'm just fine. I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't either, but you know, at the same time, I'm messing like, with you. I mean, I don't want to sneak into somebody big, big. Dude, like, imagine like, I want to go to the Pentagon yeah. or something. Like, oh yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. See some stuff you don't want to see about the flat Earth. I want to go to Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One. I want to expose that. I want to see, uh, if I was going to be invisible, I think the first thing I would do is probably get to try to look at like iPhones and stuff that are about to come out. I'd probably just snag one. I wouldn't steal it. I would leave like money on the table, but like I'm just going to take it early, put my SIM card in it. I hear you. So the biggest thing, we'll wrap it up with this. Who is one person that's influenced you the most? One person that's influenced me the most. Um, I'd have to say... Probably my mother, you know, believe it or not. And it wouldn't be in the way that you would think, you know, honestly, me and my, like, my mother, I can't even contact her right now, uh, honestly, but she's groomed me in a way and she's, she's taught me up to always, you know, be able to think for myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the impact that was until I wasn't thinking for myself. You know, you, and you don't realize you're not thinking for for yourself until you actually start thinking for yourself, (laughs) you know, if that makes sense. But you know, I feel like she's always, you know, even though my dad was, wasn't really around, I still Mm -hmm. have, you know, father figures around me. Uh, but at the same time, you know, just as a, for a woman to be able to, you know, you know, she couldn't necessarily you know, teach me how to be a man, but she definitely structured me to be one. You know, so I, I have the utmost respect for my mother. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Uh, well, with that being said, I've had influential people in my life, but I've, we've already talked about yeah, we've, before. Yeah, we've given ours. Um, but that's definitely very special. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You were a great guest. Way to open people's minds. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you um, for sure. Please Stay tuned. We got Yo, you. We're definitely going to have him back. We'll uh, have a one-year episode return. He'll be like, oh, he'll come in a money suit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, definitely continue to watch out for uh, Ramsey Equity Partners because we're going big time, and that's that's 100%. Just wait. Time will tell. We got the team ready. Amen. We're doing the work. You one day, y'all are going to be hearing about us on the news, making billion-dollar <laughs> mergers. One day. One so, day. Just wait. I'd rather stay out in the news, though. Yeah, keep it. Keep it's it, gonna happen. Yeah, keep it private because I'm gonna be so fly that they're not oh gonna be able to gosh. keep me out of the Oh news. my gosh! <laughs> All right, I'm too cute now. This is unpopular takes. Thank you for tuning in. Yes. This was oh. episode ten. Check out our YouTube video at Unpopular Takes. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll come back at you with episode eleven soon. Alrighty, thank y'all.